Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And uh, we welcome you to this uh, series in progress here in Lent. We've been taking a look so far this season at um, some of the classic uh, practices of faith or disciplines that people might take on in Lent and unpack a little bit about the why. How would I do it? Why would I do it? What could it look like? Um, So far, we've talked about things that we cut out of our lives, kind of fasting in different forms, whether it's not eating food or not doing something or rearranging how we use our time. But uh, if we're going to change gears, what what will we be talking about today, Sarah? Prayer. Yay! Yeah, so prayer is one of those uh, cornerstones of Lent about, like, as a practice that you can adopt or change or experiment with during the season of Lent. I am intrigued by your use of that verb experiment, Sarah, and Mm -hmm. maybe this is the professional religious person in me um, because we are used to, as people who lead corporate prayer, either writing words out sometimes or having them pre-printed in a book for everyone to follow or in our house with uh, elementary school age children, prayer doesn't count before the meal unless it rhymes. I mean, like there's those are pretty scripted kinds of things and can be kind of formulaic. So what, like, what, what, what could it look like? What does it mean to experiment with prayer? Okay, so I also have young children, younger than Steve's children. And so my children are in a very firm and fast. There is one true dinner prayer. And it is the one that I just, it's my go-to, what I say when it is time to eat. Like this wasn't something, it wasn't like a rhyming prayer. It was just basically, you know, please bless this food so it might nourish our bodies to do your work in the world. In your son's name we pray, amen. Like that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like that is my children's dinner prayer. And they get mad when other people pray and they say other things for dinner to the point of sometimes my husband says his own prayer and then Robbie shushes him and then (laughs) says my prayer. Like it's very, it's a thing. So we found a book not too long ago that is, there's no wrong way to pray. And it's by a um, pastor mom, uh, Pastor Rebecca Minke, I think, and her then 10-year-old daughter, Kate. They wrote this book together. And it is uh, just this really beautiful, funny storybook with great illustrations about how there's no wrong way to pray. That, sure, your prayer can rhyme. Sure, it can be formulaic. Sure, that's okay. But you can also pray you know, when you're doing this or when you're doing that, or, um, you know, even at soccer games, you can pray, um, you know, you could even pray if you really wanted to for your team to win. But maybe instead of that, maybe you could try just praying that everybody has a safe game. Um, But that it's not wrong to pray even a selfish prayer. Mm -hmm. And you can pray in all of these different situations and contexts and it's all okay um and and it's just a really really fun book for 
elementary age kids. Um, but it is, I think we, we all tend to kind of get stuck in a rut with spiritual practices, including mm-hmm. praying and getting used to the idea of this is how I pray. This is how I've always prayed. This is the way it's always been done, right? And I think Lent is a good time to remember and to try a new way of praying because it has that very definite start date and end date End date to just try it. See if this new different way of praying might really connect you with God in a way that you've not felt before. Um, maybe you just need to shake some things up. So, you know, you can try something like prayer while doing yoga. Um, You could try praying in color, which is like coloring or doodling while you're praying. Um, You can try journaling your prayers. You know, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that you could try to shake up your prayer life. And I think Lent is a really good time to try that. It's it's helpful too that you name that this is a season that not only has a uh, an end date but there's enough length to it that it allows us to try something without like well I tried it once and it didn't do anything for me the heavens didn't part I didn't see any angels so I'm going back to God is great God is good <laughs> um, right uh, and I, I I think that's that's a helpful maybe reminder or caveat here in our conversation about prayer that prayer is different than wishing like in a fairy tale or a story with a genie or something like that and that that also puts a uh maybe an asterisk around that point you made about that it's okay to pray what you might sort of just broadly call selfish prayers because god is not obligated to do the thing that we say just because we say it right so I'm free to pray at the soccer game for my team to win. Um, but God is also well aware. There's probably people on the other team praying for their team to win and that God doesn't reduce this to, well, there were eight people on the red team praying and there were only six people praying on the blue team. So red team it is, but that God reserves the right to say, thank you all for your input. That's not how I operate. I'm not a genie. I'm not a, I'm not Tinkerbell, you know, powered by the audience clapping that, that if, if, if that's true, then we can be as honest as we need to be in praying. And God's free to disregard. And I mean, there's something really freeing about that in a sense. Yeah, I I think that I know I grew up with the idea or being taught that your prayers shouldn't be selfish, that you shouldn't pray for yourself. And it's taken me a long time as an adult to realize, well, that's a bunch of baloney. (laughs) I can be as selfish as I want in prayer. Um, you know, cause like, I'm still praying for other people. Yeah. But I can also pray for myself. Like, um, so my, my, uh, spiritual practice that I am trying for this season of Lent is, uh, a prayer journal, like okay. trying to be super intentional of every day, writing down my prayers more like in a form of a letter than mm-hmm. like just a list of this is, these are who I'm praying for. And I have found it to be such a clarifying thing. Like, For example, today I was praying for God to help me. So this was still like focused on me to be more mindful of others and what they're Mm. going through. But it was still very much through the lens of like, help me, guide me, do this for me. And, um, and so like, I was like struggling with like this, like, uh, like I'm asking God to help me put other people first. But it's super coming through the lens of like, 
do this for me, help me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that if I can just do this thing, then um, my problems will be less and it will go away. And it was like super helpful for my own sense of like realizing what I was trying to work through with God through this like very roundabout way. Um, But like, I, it's, it's something that I think we were, a lot of us were taught growing up of don't be selfish. You pray for God, you pray to God. So like spend your first paragraph or whatever (laughs) your prayer, thanking God for the things that, um, that God has done in your life. And then ask God for help for others. And then maybe at the end, if you still have space, ask for like one thing for yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, and now I'm, as I'm saying this out loud, I think I got this from Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I learned that from, but it's like, like, that's how you're supposed to pray. And, and, and yeah, I think that that, that's a good structure if that's the structure you want to use but i think that we also shouldn't beat ourselves up for the prayers where it's like hey god i am struggling yeah help me today please because i am not doing so well you know i think that's fine and i think you've helpfully pointed out too that and maybe this is something that grows with a certain um age or wisdom or the 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 deeper we get in our own faith that we can be honest with God that like our our the way and the kinds of things we pray for change like in in childhood and maybe this is just developmental too we tend to be real concrete like you mentioned about your kids like no there's one right way to pray here are the words and they must be these words but also real concrete like God I want you to get me a you know this toy I want a pony or something like that and at some point our our uh our sense of what it is that we need or what it is we are bringing to God may grow and change too. That it might be something like, I don't know, I'm going to make ends meet this God. I need your help. But also it might be, as you're describing, like, help me, you know, be more attuned to other people or help me with being patient or help me, you know, what, what in, in ways where it's less like I'm presenting this demand and you have to do this thing that I say, God, and more, here's what I'm wrestling with. I don't even know exactly what I need, God. So help me with it. Um, It reminds me of that meme you may have seen before. I've I've seen it uh, almost year round where um, someone will take like one of those little um, uh, sign boards with the people put the the movable letters up on, you know, and so it starts out, dear God, and they just put like this jumble of messed up letters, amen, and then like the response is something like, you know, God saying back, dear child, I got it. I heard you, you know, working on it or something. But like that, sometimes all we can do is just throw the the mess of letters, and I don't even know what to ask for God. Um, and that recognizes that it's okay to that we include our own needs in that, even if we don't know exactly what we need. Yeah, that's um, that's actually one of the reasons why I really like praying in color. Uh, so for those of you who've not experienced this, this was a movement. Like it felt really big when I was in college, but that might have just been I was in the right place at the right time. And like the people in my life was super into it. So um, but it's this idea of there are times in our lives when we don't have the words in our prayers. Right. We might be depressed. We might be grieving. We might just not know what to say to God or about this situation that you're in. And so like Praying in color at its root is you write the name of the person that you are praying to or for. Um, So you might just write a name of God and then you doodle around 
that name. Um, or you might be praying for a specific person, in which case you just write that person's name and then you doodle around that name in different colors. Um, you know, it's certainly one of those things that encourages the use of color. So crayons, markers, color pencils, but you could also just do it with a pen, right? Whatever pen mm -hmm. and paper that you have. And so you doodle around it while thinking about the situation or about the person or about God, you know, whatever your prayer is about. And you just leave the rest up to God because ultimately God does know what's on your heart and what's on mm -hmm. your mind. And God can connect the dots, right? Yeah. Like this is prayer is about having a conversation, having a relationship with God. So just as there are times when you can sit in silence with your best friend or spouse or mom and dad, you know, whomever, you can sit in silence and have that be a meaningful part of your relationship. Yeah. You can do that with God, too. And that that I appreciate that parallel, too, because like I, this is a conversation I find I often have um, like working with with couples in uh, premarital guidance or things about how in relationships that are important in our lives, like marriage and family, but also close friendships as well. There's a difference between uh, I need someone to help me fix it or find an answer kind of a conversation and a conversation that's here's what I'm wrestling with. I need to say this out loud to another person. I'm not really looking for someone to fix it at the end, but I need to bounce this off somebody else. And it's almost through the process of saying it out loud and having somebody else who's a really good listener bounce things back that I arrive at some clarity of a next step. But it's not like. I'm asking a favor in the end of that conversation and being able to know sometimes it's, Hey, can you pick the kids up from school today? Cause I can't be there today. That's a clear, I need this help. And sometimes it's, Hey, I'm really wrestling with this thing at work. Or I'm really struggling with this issue in some other part of my life. Can I share what's on my mind? And if we know how to do that, uh, in our human relations, and sometimes we were decent at that, sometimes we aren't. But if, if we can at least get that idea, then yeah, prayer can also be that expansive. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking for you to, to part the clouds and you know drop something on my front porch, God, but I need to bounce this off somebody. And you know, you're, you're the one I can be honest with in a way that we can't sometimes with other people or where uh, we, we feel like God is, is absolutely the, the, the one that makes the most sense to come to. As I'm listening to this conversation, all I keep coming back to is the Psalms. Yeah. And like how so much of what you both have been talking about um, is found in the Psalms. Those prayers for oneself are found all throughout the Psalms. Those prayers of, God, I have no idea what's going on. And so I'm just going to word vomit for a while. Yeah. And I'm going to let you figure it out. You know, and, and maybe that's one of those things that you experiment, you yeah. know, in, in Lent is praying the Psalms. Yeah. Um, because every emotion is covered there. Every experience. Yeah. Um, in some way, shape, or form is covered there from the happiest of and the highest of joys in life to the lowest of lows and yeah. the deepest of angers. Yeah. It's all covered there. This is to me one of those learnings I've come around to uh almost begrudgingly in life. Um, because I think there was a time in my life where I had this sort of sense of spirituality of it's not a real genuine prayer unless it's spontaneously formed by your own words right at the moment, reading prayers out of a book. It doesn't, it's just not real. It's not authentic, you know? Um, 
And so there was a point in my own spiritual, I was like, why would I just, you know, recite words from the, from the Psalms that makes it seem like it's so rote and mechanical. And then to discover part of what's valuable there is exactly as you named Erica, the breadth of sometimes we need the ability to learn how to bring any of those things to God. And that's in some ways the, the wisdom that our ancestors over centuries, not just in Christian history, but going further back into ancient Israel, collecting these poems and prayers and putting them in a collection that people discovered that sometimes it's helpful to have other words to start from that allow us then in different, uh, phases of life or modes of life. Here's what I'm, here's where I'm at. And that part of the beauty of part of why in so much of the church's liturgical practice and things like uh, uh, matins in the morning or vespers in the evening or keeping the office of the hours or things like that, or even in our regular corporate worship life, the Psalms play such an important role because it sort of gives us words when maybe we didn't have our own words and you borrow them for a while. And then there are other times in life when the words that you need come back to you because, oh yeah, I, I realized I had permission to pray this way because if, if, uh, the, Psalm 22 can say, oh, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then I can say, God, I'm having a really rough day. Where are you? I mean, that that kind of thing. Right before Lent uh, for Transfiguration Sunday, I was preaching on mountaintops and valleys and how, you know, Jesus went up on the mountain trap, was transfigured, and immediately they come into, into this valley, and within days, weeks, he's being crucified. And I found myself pulling out words from the 23rd Psalm about mm-hmm. the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how God walked with us through that. And even on Ash Wednesday, pre- preached on David's Psalm of Confession in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. And what a perfect example, or maybe perfect might not, but what a great example that is when we don't have the words to say, okay, God, I messed up. Like, turn there and just all the petitions and things that David asked for in that psalm are exactly what we are called to, you know, what we are to seek God for when we're asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those words, I mean, there's words from Psalm 51 that got turned into a worship song back in sure. probably the late nineties, you know, create me a clean heart. Oh God, renew right spirit in me. And as I was preparing for Ash Wednesday and preaching on that Psalm, that song just kept playing over and over and over mm-hmm. in my head. Um, and that's so tr- true of so many worship songs that until you get into the Psalms themselves, at least for me, I didn't realize how many worship songs quote the book of Psalms mm-hmm. um, in their lyrics until I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, that's in that song and that's in that song. And, yeah. Um, and for me, growing up in, in uh, Lutheran liturgy, it, it was almost embarrassingly late in life that I realized how much of our liturgy was just borrowed, plagiarized from uh, the scriptures or from the Psalms or uh, things like that. And you go, oh, I learned a whole lot more Bible than I realized just by being in church every week. And how much, like you say, the words come back to you in other times. And I mean, this goes back to that long, long held um church maxim that in latin is something what lex credendi lex orandi or that like what we believe and what we pray are inter intermingled and that the way we pray shapes what we believe about god and so you know even like if our approach to prayer is god is a genie or vending machine and therefore my prayers are give me this or that thing then of course you're also going to find yourself painted in a corner that oh well it's selfish to pray for yourself because that's just asking for you well wait a second maybe prayer is more than asking for the peanut m and m's god that's three what do i have to do to get the thing that i want in the vending machine but if it's more complicated if it's more nuanced if it's richer and praying for the needs of others is intertwined with 
how do I affect that situation as well? Then, uh, th- yeah, but but the, the way we think about prayer is certainly going to shape the way we believe about God and vice versa. One of the things that I, I want to invite our listeners for uh, to consider as well, that not only um, the, the different modes of prayer that you talked about, uh, Sarah, um, but that another way that Lent can be helpful as a time, as a season is, um, and this is to piggyback on our conversation last time about how we use our time differently, that this can be a season to say, all right, for 40 days, I'm going to make the effort to set aside this additional time. And regardless of what the format is, but to be intentional about like, like quieting out some of the white noise in my life and having this space for intentional bringing stuff into the presence of God. Um, again, not that this is new information to God. That's maybe another piece of our, our uh, theological corrective on prayer that sometimes we need, that prayer is not informing God of facts that God was not already aware of. Um, but sometimes it's, okay, I need working space to be able to process this, and God, I need you to be a part of that conversation. So here's, but to 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 take time and to make the effort of, okay, whether it's in the morning or in the middle of the day or in the evening, but to, to do that with, uh, I'm going to do a little bit every day, um, it keeps it from becoming heroic. Like, look, I went 24 hours straight praying. Aren't I impressive? That very quickly becomes, I'm the hero of that story. But if it's, I took five minutes and found myself recentered. I got my bearings again. That's not something about me patting on the back, myself on the back, but more about I discover breathing space in my life and uh, maybe a clarity even when the heavens don't part and a voice doesn't come, but just because there's been that space and time. I did something much like this um, on and off throughout seminary. Haven't really done it much in ministry, um, but probably should get back to it, even outside of Lent, where I would take a day of the week and I would fast during lunch. And instead of just not eating, I would go into one of the chapels on, on the seminary campus and pray for for individuals. And I'd often put it out on my Facebook page. Hey, you know, during the lunch hour, I'm going to be praying today. Let me know what your requests are. Um, and again, nothing great. No voices, no angels, no visions. Um, but it was just a sweet time with God um, where I was in a quiet space, a holy space on campus um, that I got to spend time with him and I got to lift up um, friends and family, some of who that I saw every day. And some who that I really only spoke to via social media and they only reached out because I made the offer. I I love that idea that, I, and you both kind of alluded to, it, if not said it, of the idea that you could pray any time of the day and to recenter yourself. Um, and, and I, and I love that mostly because in my head, my ideal ideal Bible reading, prayer time, devotion time is what my grandparents did when I was growing up. Every morning they would set the table for breakfast, get out their Bibles and read like one person. And I think they would take turns. One person would read a chapter, the next chapter of the Bible, because they were just going through it, just next chapter, that's what they read. And then the other person would then lead the morning prayer. And it at the time when I was a kid, it drove me crazy because the table was set for breakfast, including the gallon of milk for the cereal. And 
by the time this was all done, because the prayer was like forever long for a six-year-old, the milk would be like warm. And I was like, that's so gross. Like, <laughs> why are we doing it this way? And I have tried numerous times to adopt this practice for myself. But like, it's only been recently that I've realized that it's not working for me because I'm not retired like they are. Like they were retired. They could take as long as they wanted for breakfast. It was fine. Um, but that's not where I am in my life. My mornings are way too crammed full of stuff already to try to adopt this like devotional time in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but I always kind of beat myself up for not starting the day off in this way like as if i could like the best way to start off my day is with god but in reality like we can take our that time at any time throughout our day and it's it, it can be a recentering thing instead of a, this is how i start my day off yeah just because that's that's just not where i am in my life to be able to do that Right. And that recognition of the seasons of life, not just the seasons in the church year, but like, yeah, if you were at a point where your mornings are hectic and like in our household, the morning time between alarm going off and getting to work is hectic. It's making lunches. It's getting kids on the bus. It's uh, finding everybody's socks. I mean, like all those things and just being civil and getting the dishwasher unloaded. It's hard to accomplish in that space of time. So yeah, that's not particularly spiritual time for me, at least in the sense of being intentional about it. And if I tried to cram prayer into that, it would become a uh, one more tedious thing. And I'd, I suspect I'd find myself getting mad at God for why do I have to take this additional time? You already know what I need anyway. <laughs> um, but that when there can be other, and when, when we reframe this as this is not something we need to do because God needs us to do it. Like when we, when we, when we step back and go, wait a second, this isn't that God demands this, or this is one more thing to check off the list to make us righteous. But this is about how do you cultivate a relationship the same way that because mornings are hectic, I have learned that's not great time for in-depth conversation with my spouse about uh, what things are on her mind or what's going on in the week because she's busy with stuff, too. That's not a great heart to heart time or deep thinking time or even long range planning beyond a dinner time. Um, but there are other points in the day. And when you've got that freedom, you realize it, it's important that it happens in some way that we make the time for the people and voices who are important, including God's, but that when that is can be flexible, that really changes things, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, so boiling it down to me, prayer is good. Prayer and connecting and having that space in your life to connect with God and be in relationship with God good yeah however i don't think prayer should ever be something you beat yourself up about mm -hmm. that i think we all have our hang-ups around prayer and i think that as much as we can we need to try to let those hang-ups go because yeah. i think that they often just get in our way of being yeah. in relationship with god yeah and maybe then too that opens up that uh how what our entry point for prayer can be different too. Sometimes, like you mentioned, like you alluded to, um, sometimes there are real clear needs on our heart or on our radar, whether it's in my own life, here's something I'm working on, here's a situation I need a resolution, or you make the invitation like you talked about, Erica, for other people, what can I be praying for? That's the intro. 
sometimes, uh, and there's a long, long-standing uh, Christian history of uh, letting prayer arise out of reading the scriptures, even like your grandparents did over the breakfast table, where it's you read something and then you let that, yeah, what does this speak to me? How does that shape, uh, you know, my my life or that kind of thing? That sort of Lectio Divina thing. And I think, too, there's a place for um, wonder as a place for an entry to prayer. Like, sometimes it's the... I will catch myself when I'm walking the dog in what is just this tedious little errand that needs to get done over the course of the day. And it's the, it's the same neighborhood it always is, but man, the sky is fantastic and it catches me off guard. And it's that moment of wonder or appreciation, or it's catching the first dandelion growing in our yard in the spring or some other beautiful moment and the ability to let wonder become an invitation and conversation with God. It doesn't always have to be, dear God, now I'm thankful for this thing that I saw. Check that off the list because now I've seen a a beautiful thing. Now I have to thank you for it. But more like that, there's that humbling sense of how small you are in the vastness of a universe that is so beautiful, but also how amazing we are that we are the self-aware beings in the world that we are that can see beauty in ways that rocks cannot appreciate their own beauty and trees cannot appreciate their own beauty. Um, But letting wonder be a starting point for prayer too which again, isn't always the way we're taught about prayer. That's tell God stuff that other people need and then say, amen, God's busy. Maybe that's a a place for us to to tie things up here for today is that if our sense of prayer is that God's not busy, that we can take whatever time we want in whatever direction prayer takes us. And this isn't like one more thing on God's to-do list, like God needs to get five minutes with Sarah and five minutes with Steve and five minutes with Erica and then all the other billions of people, but that God is infinitely able at whatever place we're at that's 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 god's after the quality time whatever form it comes in maybe so with that uh we'll invite you as well to uh consider what additional ways you might take on ventures of prayer in the rest of this lenten season and then beyond and uh, join us for more conversation next time here on crazy faith talk see you bye